Welcome to Naturally Well, a podcast to help you live a healthier and happier life with a Nordic twist. I'm your host, Kate Turner, registered dietitian, personal trainer, Nordic Naturals nutrition specialist, and owner of Live Well with Kate. Today's guest is one of my good friends from my dietetics program at Virginia Tech, Kristen DeAngelis. Kristen is a registered dietitian, functional and integrative practitioner, and yoga teacher. And she's the director of health coaching and education at Nutrition Dynamic. Today's episode is all about adrenal health or what you might refer to as burnout. Kristen dives deep into adrenal health to help you figure out what red flags to look for and what they mean. And it's often a root cause for hormone or thyroid imbalances, weight loss resistance, adrenal dysfunction, period problems, gut issues, food sensitivities, and so much more. When I first met Kristen in college, she was the girl who you would think, how does she do it all? She would be personal training, volunteering, bartending, never missing a social event, all on top of our intense course load. Honestly, she always made me feel like I wasn't doing enough. But that wasn't the story Kristen was living. Kristen's journey with adrenal fatigue and burnout was eye-opening and shifted her perspective and mine from trying to do it all to figuring out what is actually best for her body. I find so many people in similar situations and Kristen's story can help you find and get the help you need. Whether you're experiencing constant fatigue, bloating, low energy, or poor moods. Kristen provides you with easy steps to start supporting your adrenals so you can get your energy back and open the gates to achieving your health goals. However, I'm going to warn you, some of her science-backed tips and tricks are the opposite of what you probably think you should be doing to be healthy, but that's when you need to turn the volume up. All right, Kristen, well, welcome to the show. I you know, I'm so happy to have you on here one as a friend, but also it's such a treat because you're so knowledgeable in the functional nutrition space, but particularly what we're going to talk about today, which is, you know, everything adrenals, hopefully getting into thyroid. Um, so welcome and thanks for being on the show. Absolutely. Thank you so, so much for having me. Um, I am so excited to talk about this topic because I feel like we can't spread enough education and knowledge on this. I think a big piece that I try to always reinforce is I like to be the messenger to help you understand your body and become more body literate in what, what do these like signals and red flags mean to me. So I'm excited to dive in. Oh, I love that. Well, I guess, can you first tell us just why you got into the functional nutrition space? And for any listeners that aren't aware um, of what a functional medicine approach is versus more of a traditional approach. Absolutely. Yes. Um, so functional, a, a functional and integrative approach is really honestly what medicine was based initially off of the, the Hippocrates Oath. Um, and, and so that's coming back to addressing the root cause, trying to ask questions and dive deeper rather than just slapping a bandaid because something hurts asking, well, why does it hurt? Or for me, my personal story, which is what led me down, you know, after I became a registered dietitian, I was already interested in some integrative stuff just because, um, the mind body connection, I was, you know, finding that yoga was really helpful for me and my own personal health and healing. 
but I still had a lot of questions as I was even going through my, you know, my dietetics training. And I was having a hard time with some of my like really troubling clients. I was doing one-on-one um, stuff out of college and I was dealing with my own personal issues of health. And that's what led me down seeking out and finding a functional practitioner. And so again, functional medicine is looking at the root cause and seeing how all the systems are connected, the adrenals, the thyroid, the liver, the gut function, um, insulin, um, all of that dictates metabolism. And that's really what sparks me and gets me excited of like digging deeper into the why. (laughs) Yeah, no, I love, I mean, you got me excited. I'm like, I'm right. I'm so ready for this. And I'm so ready for everyone to hear all of your knowledge. So let's just dive into adrenal fatigue, which is what, you know, we're here to talk about. And if you can just start with what is adrenal fatigue and what would be some signs and symptoms that people could have, um, that may be experiencing it. Absolutely. Okay. So what is adrenal fatigue? Um, and then what are the signs and symptoms? I'm actually going to go back to my personal story because I think it will help to relate to the bell curve of what inadequate and over-responsive cortisol and adrenal functioning looks like. So again, when I mentioned I found functional medicine because of my own like journey of health and healing, um, I was several years ago, probably 15 years ago now, um, I was experiencing a ton of anxiety. I felt like I could not focus at all. I, um, didn't have a period. I didn't have a period for probably seven years and doctors just wanted to put me on birth control. But again, I was asking myself, well, why aren't I, why aren't I getting a normal menstrual cycle as it is? Again, when I said I was having a hard time focusing for me to read a book felt impossible. And so I actually went to a, um, behavioral therapist and said, I think I have ADD or ADHD and I want to be diagnosed and I want to do some testing. And they came back and they said, actually you have anxiety. (laughs) And that, that was, was pretty like eye opening to me because I didn't understand what anxiety looked like or how it manifested. Um, at the time I was having a really hard time sleeping. Um, my energy was just not great at all. Um, my hair was really, really dry. I was cold all of the time. So as you can see, there's lots of signs and symptoms, but for me at that time, I like many other dietitians probably out there and many people in general that might be listening, we're overdoers. We like to do, do, do. We like to go hard. We like to do more. And in the short, that's okay. But if we're constantly going, going, going all day long, or all year long, or years and years on end long. You know, I I talk to CEOs and I'm like, well, I already know what your cortisol is going to look like. Um, We start to burn out a little bit. And so this is kind of where, for me, I had to get my adrenals in check and my cortisol function, you know, much improved. And then my hormones got improved. So if any women are listening to this and have major hormone imbalances, whether they don't have a period or they have, you know, major cycle issues or even fertility issues, which we can talk a little bit later, or thyroid issues, a lot of it can stem further up into the brain because all stressors, um, emotional, physical, financial, um, or it could even be like a body image stress or how we feel 
when we look at ourselves in the mirror and every time we have like this negative thought, well, that's a cortisol spike of, of this, um, this response. It's probably less cortisol. It's probably more like adrenaline, um, more so that we're feeling, but regardless, any stressor is a signal to the brain, to the hypothalamus and the hypothalamus has a series of events of what it secretes CRH that goes to the pituitary. The pituitary um, sends a signal to the adrenals and the adrenals sit on top of the kidneys and they dictate a couple different things. Aldosterone for one, which has to do with like salt and water balance. So if we're feeling like really fluidy or, you know, water retention, or why can't I get this bloat off or why can't I lose this weight? Well, it could be aldosterone tied into the the corticosteroid um, receptors having to do with cortisol. Um, Also on the adrenal glands is DHEA, also is catecholamines, which is epinephrine, norepinephrine. So that's like your fight or flight stress, like signals that go off. And then there's also cortisol. So cortisol is like a keyword I think that we hear a lot of, but that's what I want to talk about with like adrenal fatigue. Um, if we, if we are constantly having a, a, this, this like constant over hit to the system, push more out, you're running from a bear, you're running from like these, uh, stressors all around you, our body starts to get exhausted of pushing out so much cortisol all the time. And so when we're over producing cortisol and we can talk about like different rhythms, um, that will look like one scenario, which I can explain in a second. But when we're overproducing for a long period of time, it starts to drop down. And, and that's where, to your question, what's adrenal fatigue? Adrenal fatigue can be a lot of different things, but in the classic scenario, burnout would be when we're not adequately producing cortisol, the normal and natural stress hormone, which is a good thing, but too much over time can then lead to a bad thing, which the World Health Organization has actually classified as like burnout. And signs and symptoms would be a host of different things, feeling, um, uh, gosh, fatigue, um, achy, like body aches, muscle aches, um, a really hard time losing weight, uh, a hard time waking up in the morning, um, but they might also at simultaneous, you know, feel exhausted during the day, but then maybe they have a hard time sleeping through the night. They're not getting restful sleep. Um, they could also therein because it's a cascade events of how the adrenals then are related to the gut and to insulin and to thyroid. So then we wonder, wait a second, is this a thyroid issue? Uh, wait a second, I'm feeling bloated and I'm having gut issues and I'm constipated all the time. Like if you're running from a bear, I love this analogy. If you're running from a bear, it's usually not a great time to sit down and go to the bathroom. It's usually not a good time to like sit down and go and make babies. So all of the like normal body's functions start to um, drop down. So if someone's like having issues with fertility, you might be, you know, looking in all the places that you think you should, when really you should maybe look further upstream at like adrenals and cortisol and some of those. So long, long long-winded answer. No, great, great explanation. And so I'm curious then, Kristen, even with your own journey, how did you, so you had your anxiety diagnosis and then how did you 
come to realize that you did need to start paying attention to your adrenals. And that was probably, you know, one of the root causes. Yep. So for me, um, I was your classic, um, I just always want to do better, be better. And that translated, unfortunately for me, um, overtraining. So I was doing a lot of like running every day, but I'm top on top of that doing hit training, boot camp classes. Um, I was teaching spin. So I was really overtraining. So that's a physical stressor. Um, I was, I was in school and then I, I mean, you know, me, I was like volunteering at like everything possible. <laughs> I was working three jobs. Um, and so again, like emotional, mental stressors, and then I wanted to fit in. Right. So then there's like this, this internal dialogue stressor that you have. So there's, there were lots of stressors in my life and then let's shake on another stressor and under eat severely under eating. Right. I was not eating enough carbohydrates and fats, which are the two most important macronutrients to support, um, brain health, but also nourish adrenals and thyroid. And so my adrenals just, I didn't do testing at the time. I do a lot of laboratory testing currently. And now uh, both saliva and dried urine collections to look at, at cortisol patterning throughout the day. Um, but just based on everything that I just said, I mean, it was a pretty like classic case of leading my body from overproducing too much cortisol to then underproducing not enough. So that's and then did that, got like. it. And did that lead you to like another dietitian or a functional medicine doctor that kind of got you on that path and then obviously got you really interested into this side of <laughs> nutrition. Uh, how yes. did that go? Yeah, absolutely. So I, gosh, I, I, I feel for so many women that come to me because I've been in their same shoes. I was the person who kept getting handed off from multiple different doctors. I went to the best OB in Cincinnati at the time. I remember I spent like $400 just for this one 30 minute visit. I spent all this money out of pocket on labs and I got the same answer that was, well, everything looks fine. And if you want to get pregnant one day, we can just put you on hormones. And I put my foot down. I was like, I'm just, I'm just not happy with that answer. And I felt really frustrated at the time because I was a dietitian. I felt like I I should know what to do, but there was this like whole world of functional medicine that I, I didn't know enough about. And so it was really ironic how it happened, but I, I literally ran into someone at the gym um, and I asked him what he did and found out he was a functional practitioner. Um, his name is Vince Pitstick and he is the owner of Nutrition Dynamic. Uh, long story short, he was my coach um, that it, it took me, I was very grateful. It took me three months um, after seven years of not having a period, three months of working on my adrenals. We didn't even really get into hormone specifics where I got my period back after seven years of no answers, no period. And it was adrenals that was causing that. So I was so mind blown that I said, I want to work for you. I want to do what you're doing and like really help people. And so now I'm our director of education and our director of health coaching for Nutrition Dynamic. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, that couldn't be a better story, Kristen. But, and guys, I have to tell you, Kristen is not 
lying when she says she was always on the go. Like in college, Kristen did have like a few, like a handful of jobs. We also had a very demanding course load. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, but then was also still at every party, you know, every night we were out at the bar. So she was doing everything. Um, but I, I love that story. And I, you know, honestly, I didn't know it just being your friend. I didn't know how you got into it, but I've just been loving all the education you've been putting out. And so I'm curious with yourself, but also clients, what are some typical protocols? If someone's coming to you and their adrenals are just wiped, what are some typical protocols you'll put people on? Yeah, that's an awesome question. I think, um, the, the preparatory question would be like, what, what is your profile? Cause there's a couple yeah. different profiles and then it dictates what the protocol would look like. So if we had to start with like, what should a normal cortisol rhythm look like? What is like a normal adrenal pattern? Um, I always say that like, we, we all have stress, like stress is going to be a fact for life. It's a matter of how do we handle and perceive that stress, right? And so um, back to that, like the cortisol, that stress hormone, cortisol is secreted first thing in the morning. So like when, when the sun rises um, and we open up our eyes first thing in the morning, cortisol is what allows us to actually like open up our eyes and wake up. So if we didn't have cortisol, we would be dead. Like we need cortisol. It is vital. Remember, it's all about the bell curve, not too much, not too little. So cortisol, um, within the first 30 minutes of waking, it's known as the cortisol awakening response. Ideally from the moment that you open your eyes to actually being conscious and like awake there should be this nice rise where it's it's um, it's increasing, it's going up your cortisol, and maybe around like you know noon or three o'clock, it's it starts to drop down a little bit. Maybe there's like a, a a little bump in the afternoon, but then it keeps dropping down and it's lowest at night, and that's again when the sun is going up and then it's going down, and at nighttime when it's dark out is when melatonin kicks on, right, and cortisol is low. So that's typically what a normal pattern should look like. In someone who is um, overly overly producing cortisol or an inadequate, or sorry, yeah, an overproduction of cortisol, um, they might be the person who wakes up in the middle of the night and they just keep waking up at like four a.m. and they can't get back to sleep. And then all throughout the day, they're they're exhausted, but they're like wired at the same time. And it's time to go to sleep and they're exhausted, but they're wired and they can't go to sleep and they're the night owl. And like, it's just, there's so much off here that oftentimes the tired and wired is typically too high, an over-responsive cortisol, and you're having a hard time metabolizing it. You're having a hard time clearing cortisol out of the system. So we feel this like tired and wired response. Um, a third scenario, and then I'll give you the fourth, a third scenario would be someone who cannot wake up out of bed. It takes them like four cups of coffee to wake up in the morning. Um, they probably have very low morning cortisol, probably not having an awakening response, but then at night they can't go to sleep. They're like revved up. They're ready to go. So that's a, that's a, the opposite of what we would want to happen. Um, 
That's, that's Kristen, like your night owl, right? Like when people are like, yeah. oh, I'm such a night owl. So tired in the morning, but I, I'm a night owl. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you've probably just trained your body that like that's that's what it's doing when really the natural response should be the opposite. So as far as the fourth would be back to burnout when you, you know, first ask like, what does this look like? And it's where someone goes from overproducing, you know, tired, but wired, which I will also pause and say, sometimes people confuse anxiety with too much cortisol and I can't metabolize it. And they can also confuse it with low blood sugar. They're just not eating at regular routine intervals throughout the day. So sometimes these things can like mask each other too. Um, but that fourth scenario would be, okay, I've been over, I've been running from the tiger for years and now I am burned out. This is going to be like your mom who just had, you know, a kid three years in a row and she is trying to do everything at home. And she's like, I can't move. I am exhausted. I'm napping all throughout the day. I can't wake up in the morning. That's burnout. Like, and, and we see that now those are the fluctuations that can happen with cortisol, um, in disease, in more of like a diseased state. So at the very ends of the spectrum, um, that would be scenarios of things like Addison's disease or Cushing's disease. Cushing's is when we have like sky high cortisol. Um, and then Addison's is when we are literally not producing any cortisol. Um, and there can be, you know, manifestations from that it can be related to abnormal adenomas. Um, but a majority of the clients I've honestly in the four years of cortisol testing, I've only seen Cushing's once, um, but it, it does happen. I more so see the people who are in the middle and that's why they go to their doctor and they say that they're exhausted and they're, they're not having any answers, but it's because they don't have a disease state. They just have suboptimal state. And that's then where a protocol of nutrition, diet, lifestyle, and supplementation comes into play. Yeah. And I'm actually, I love that you just said it's suboptimal. So that's one thing that, you know, bothers me sometimes about a traditional approach and certain ones, right? Like there are also some great doctors and MDs who do practice a traditional approach, but oftentimes even when getting labs done, when they say, you know, they're looking at it within the normal range, it's not the optimal range. It's mm -hmm. again, that normal range. So like you said, so you're not, you don't fall in the disease state category. You don't fall in the condition category, but it's not that optimal, which that's where we want you. We want you in the optimal range. Um, so I'm curious, Kristen, for those different scenarios, which you explained very well, what, what would be some, some of those protocols that you would put people on, like whether it's, um, you know, working out less or eating more, or mm -hmm. even what did you find like worked for you? Yeah, definitely. So once you identify and I use some different like questionnaires, um, cortisol testing is always available too. And that's, that's also something I definitely want listeners to know. Like you can do home testing. Um, you don't have to go through your doctor. You can do home testing kits and be your own patient advocate so that you know, okay, am I the I'm making too much or am I making too little? 
if you know the direct piece of, am I making too much or if I'm making too little, then you can use certain vitamins and nutrients and herbs to help either bring it down or bring it up. So like, for example, um, I do Dutch hormone testing. Um, Precision Analytical has a great and extensive uh, panel, but they look at cortisol and they look at metabolized cortisol and cortisol is, some of it is inactive and some of it is free. I'll just leave it as like simplest terms there. Um, if we have labs, then I can know, okay, you are not producing enough and we need to bring up cortisol. And I might use something like glycinerized licorice, but we wouldn't want to use that if someone was making too much free cortisol and they just felt tired all the time. So like licorice root is great, but if I don't know, and someone is um, constantly feeling like exhausted all of the time, I would say start with some adaptogens from like a, um, a several different aspects of what we can do supplementation wise. And I want to talk about diet and lifestyle too. Um, maybe I should start, I'll start with diet and lifestyle first and training, and then I'll go into supplementation. Um, so diet, I think we have to come back to what is a like not only quality whole foods approach and getting rid of processed sugars and processed foods and soda and, you know, the standard American diet and what that does to our whole body systems. But especially the type of women that I tend to see, they're kind of like me, they're overtraining They're They love their hit cardio and they say, but it makes me feel like I can finally like think, well, that's probably because you just have way too much cortisol, like constantly coming out. And that's only producing like more cortisol. It's actually getting you more revved up. I know for me, part of my protocol was I had to severely pull back from all of the high intensity training that I was, I mean, I was a fitness junkie, like boot camp, spin, you know, I taught all these classes. I, re- I, re- I remember, yeah, Kristen taught <laughs> classes. She personal trained. I mean, she was doing everything. And then I'd be a bartender. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Then, then like we not only see her at the bar, but she'd be behind the bar bartending. And it was like, where do you find the time? And then always a smile on her face, giving you a hundred percent energy. You actually, it's funny, Kristen, you always, like, I always felt like a little, like, damn, I should be doing more. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, honestly, maybe not. <laughs> I needed someone. Yeah. I needed someone to be like, Kristen do less. I just didn't have someone on me to say that until I got sick and had to have a practitioner hire to tell me that, but, but now yeah, it's your I profession. Think, so it led you to, you yeah. know, it led you down the right path. It's, it's part of the story, I guess. I mean, to just say like, I've been there, I get it. It's hard, but yeah, to anyone who's listening, like really, really review, like, what are you doing right now? And is it really help? Like, how are you feeling? You might think that you're doing fine, but I would challenge you and say, okay, can you for two weeks pull back? And instead of your spin, your high intensity and your running, just do yoga, walking, uh, biking, dancing. So more like aerobic therapeutic activity. And so that's what I had to do. I had to pull back completely. I did, um, one or two like light circuit trainings a week. Um, but I was walking twice a day for 20 to 30 minutes. 
I was doing a longer walk, specifically like a hike or something in nature. I always talk about like blue space and green space because it helps um, just with the the brain stuff. Um, And then what else? Yeah, it wasn't until probably like two or three months later that I dabbled in seeing like, okay, my my health coach said that I could um, add in, my practitioner said that I could add in um, one, <laughs> one light jog and light run. And for me, I kind of snuck and was like, I'm just going to go back to spin class. And so I went back to spin class. And after not having it in for two to three months, I was actually able to objectively see how did I respond. And honestly, since then, I have to be like, I go to spin class because if I want to go and see some friends, but I rarely go anymore because for me, it just gets my heart rate way too revved up. And the rest of the day, I felt super anxious. And I was shocked because I thought that it was making me less anxious. Really, it was just creating this uh, perpetual like cycle that was going on. So with exercise, it's just, it's really all about a balance. I mean, the person who's overtraining like me is just as unhealthy as the person who's sitting on the couch and not doing anything at all. So we don't want either. Again, it's always this bell curve. We more so want what's what's the balance of training both therapeutic activity and restorative activity and also the cardiovascular and the strength and you know what else is going on in my life. Okay, if I'm a mom of three kids and a full-time job and a lawyer. And like, it's probably not going to be the best to be doing like the 60 minute boot camp six days a week. It's, you know what I mean? Like, let's look at what balance actually looks like. Like, what do you actually need? Um, And that's honestly where I've just found yoga to be so instrumental and so helpful and starting to just like add more joyful and fun ways of movement and not being so hard on myself. Like if I go for a run, it needs to be 60 minutes. I used to always think that. And now I'm like, no, I'm going to go for 20 or 30 minutes and that's okay. So balance Mm -hmm. is key for bringing adrenals back into balance. Yeah. And I, I think too, even thinking about, you were just saying like the person that's doing hit classes six days a week or thinks they need to, they're most likely a part of them is doing that to, you know, stay in shape or maybe lose weight. But what's actually probably happening is it's preventing them from both of those things. And that's where, you know, I'm, I want to get into, you know, diet and what to change there, but I want to ask the question of, so people that you talk to Kristen and clients where you have to say, Hey, and you know, their goal, let's say their goal is weight loss. I need you to pump the brakes on your hit classes on your, you know, anything high intensity. And you know what? I need you to eat more too. And we both know that, Hey, guess what? They're probably going to hit their goal doing both of those things, yes. but in their mindset. And I'm curious, like even for yourself, when someone told you that, Hey, I need you to pump the brakes. I need you to eat more. How do you handle like the the psychology of that and getting through to them and having them really trust you. Obviously, as they see progress, right? It's with any client. As they see progress, they're like, okay, you weren't lying to me. And you're like, no, I wasn't. Um, I have your best interest at heart. But how do you deal with that with clients? Because I'm sure you get that a lot, or I would think so. 
I get that all the time and I have to support it by like multiple things. So one, you know, the, the part of me that always wants to explain the science behind it, but then also the testimony of my clients that they see that I'm always posting. And then also the testimony of my own personal journey. And like, I have been there also. So from the science standpoint, yeah, you know, we can grip so hard onto this, like, I have to do this type of workout, but it's, it's actually working against us because if your body is, again, if it's running from a bear, if it's constantly in this like anxious fight or flight state, healing happens in rest and digest. Weight loss happens in rest and digest. And if we're constantly in a, I will also say a famine, because oftentimes what I see is we're doing all these classes, but then we're under eating and not supporting it. If we're in a famine for a long term, like time, especially if you're going on my fitness pal and you're just you know, looking at the calculation that they give you and you're like, I want to lose, you know, one to two pounds a week. It gives you this ridiculous calorie range of like 1200 to 1500 calories. I feel like I'm talking to women and I know that men are on here too, but like everyone listening to this, (laughs) you are what your metabolism is what you feed it. If we slowly feed you a little bit more, you will actually lose weight which seems counterintuitive, but it's the truth. It's just, you are holding on to so dearly the fact that you lost weight doing this one thing of, you know, high training and low caloric eating years ago. And it worked that one time, but it's not working again because your body is smart and it, and it thinks it's going back into famine and starvation mode. So it holds. And especially if you can't lose weight off of your midsection, I mean, that is like cortisol central. So if that's like the one area that you cannot lose weight, it's probably a cortisol issue that's then leading to like blood sugar and insulin issues, estrogen dominant issue, like some other things as well. So yeah, because for everyone listening, as when you're when we secrete cortisol, a lot of the times one of the things that can happen is we store fat. So that's like when Kristen's talking about that in that midsection. But yeah, I mean, I preach about, I feel like I'm taught, I talk about metabolism every single day because to me, it's like that and blood sugar control can be like the key to a lot of issues that people are facing and you have to fuel your metabolism, just like how you fuel a fire. If you want it to keep burning and burning strong. And I I always want to tell people get to it as early as you can. Yes. Because you don't want to be doing yo-yo diets or pushing yourself too hard. And then you get to a point and, you know, unfortunately for women, we, our metabolism tends to drop per decade, a little bit more than men. Um, and it can be really hard to bring it back at a later stage. So you want to be serving your metabolism and everything's Kristen is saying in terms of a lot of the times we have to do less and eat more. Um, so yeah, I'm curious, I'm curious too, Chris, on the food side of it, you know, we talked about activity. What are some of those things that you would typically encourage people if they're in that kind of adrenal fatigue state, um, to either add to their diet or if it's just adding more calories? Yes, absolutely. So diet, obviously foundational and cornerstone, Um, this is also where I think we get into a lot of like diet religions where we think this is the only way that I can like lose weight or whatever that is. 
Um, and that's, you know, carbs and fats. There was the low fat fad. Um, that was what, like the nineties, I guess. My mom is still part of that group. And she's like, she'll look at Greek yogurt and say, oh my gosh, it has, it has way too much fat. I'm like, but it's only pasteurized milk. Um, and there's so many like, you know, benefits in that one. Uh, so there's the fats that we get scared of. And then, and then it's the carbs that we get scared of. And so I hear this all the time. Like I I'm going keto or, but what happens? You stick to that for a week. You're not getting into ketosis after a week. And it's make, it's, it's turning worse out for you. So I was actually just explaining this uh, to a client before I hopped on with you was just explaining the importance of carbohydrates in helping to prevent tapping into our actual like muscle and protein. So if you go to the gym and especially if you're going to the gym mm-hmm. fasted and you're not eating in, 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 you know, before your workout um, and you're not eating carbs, we are working out pulling from what we think is fat and we're tapping into fat, but fat is nine calories per gram like of energy and protein is four calories per gram. Carbohydrates should typically be what we're pulling from. Uh, carbohydrates, when it's broken down into sugar, it's stored as glycogen and, and those glycogen stores are, are to be used later on. So when you work out, we want to be able to pull from the glycogen stores, but if there's no reserves, if there's no s- stores, then um, we actually start tapping into our muscle. We start breaking down our muscle, which is the exact thing that thing that we're trying to, you know, gain and improve because it's easier to break down protein at four calories per gram versus um, fat, which is nine calories per gram. So back to like, what, what are your goals here? And coming back to the science. And I also wanted to come back to as well, like the blood sugar thing that you were mentioning, um, and how cortisol kind of plays into that. So often we think, oh, well, you know, carbs are going to make me fat. Well, I just dispelled that based on what I just said. Um, Carbs are going to spike my blood sugar. Okay. Yes. If we are not moving, we're not hydrating, um, simple carbohydrates alone with, you know, inadequate fats and proteins around it. Sure. Could make blood sugars go up if we are not having normal, you know, insulin response. But what else can spike up blood sugar? Well, let me give you another story. So when I was, I was going through a pretty traumatic time for myself. Um, I was going through a divorce. It was, it was extremely stressful what was happening um, at the time. And I was, again, like I live and breathe you know, nutrition and everything that I preach, right? So I was eating healthy foods. I was working out every day. I was drinking a gallon of water every day. Um, but I actually check um, glucose with a glucometer as a measure of like tracking. I use it in my clients. I use it in myself. Uh, two hours postprandial. So when I wake up in the morning, two hours after eating, I don't do this every day, but usually like once a week or every two weeks. And my blood sugar was 130 and then it would crash down to 60 and then it would jump back up to 120. I, t- I am not joking. It was just ping-ponging all day long. And I ask, what was the one, one thing that was an outlier? I was eating the healthy foods. Like I was doing all the right things. It was stress. It was cortisol that was causing the blood sugar response. And I was, again, at the time I was like, well, you know, I need to lose, you know, I want to lose weight and I'm, I'm feeling so bloated and puffy and whatever. Uh, well, after the divorce, you know, finalized or whatever, 
I felt like I could breathe. I felt like I was like starting like my energy. I was starting to like come back into who I was. My blood sugar came back down right around 80s. Uh, my body composition changed. I didn't have that like cortisol, like low belly section anymore. And so like blood sugar is the key of what we work on with, you know, diet and nutrition, but the cortisol and how we're managing stress and what we're doing to address that is also like so much inter intimately related. Oh, completely. And that's where, you know, I will preach, I mean, I've probably said it in most of our episodes at this point, but sleep and stress are two of the things I just don't think people pay enough attention to, and they will affect every other area of your life. They will affect every goal you're trying to reach. Um, so I'm so glad you talked about that connection too. Um, okay. Last thing, Kristen, in terms of, so we talked protocols for exercise, diet, any, anything supplementation wise that you think is really beneficial or can be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, um, yeah. So like with diet, anyone who's listening, like adequate complex carbohydrates and healthy fats is really key. Um, Mediterranean style uh, eating is really like the go-to. It's what it has been proven uh, for years over research, what is continuing to come back as the best diet, which just is an acronym for did I eat today? I always like that. Um, but then there's also supplementation. And so if someone's like really suboptimal and they're like, all right, I've pulled back training, I'm adding in yoga, I'm adding in walking, I'm adding in intentional breeding. Um, I'm working on, you know, my, my sleep routine and sleep schedule, but usually we, we need a little bit extra to like help us get over that hump. And that's really where supplementation comes into play. There's a whole array of supplements. And again, this kind of depends on what your like symptoms would be specifically, but, um, adaptogens are a great place to start. Some of the common ones are ashwagandha, um, rhodiola, uh, holy basil or tulsi. Some of these you can even get as a tea. Um, yeah. So like, I, I think I had earlier, I had my tulsi ashwagandha cause typically in the afternoon I got a little bit of cortisol issues. So that's, that's really good. If you have like too high and you need to help like kind of bringing down a little bit, licorice root is a tea, but you can also get some of these things in supplements and capsules. Um, so adaptogens, if you've never heard of this word before, uh, it helps the body to adapt. So if someone is too high cortisol or too low, it helps to bring you back into balance in the middle. And I like to explain like there's different breathing techniques that can almost act like adaptogens too. There's breathing techniques that help to bring you up and get you more energized. And there's breathing techniques that help to slow down and get you more into that parasympathetic um, state, which we didn't talk too much about, but there's sympathetic and parasympathetic. Sympathetic is that fight or flight and parasympathetic is rest and digest. And oftentimes we need more support to help with the parasympathetic. So adaptogenic herbs, um, medicinal herbal teas, um, in some cases where someone has uh, low free cortisol and low metabolized cortisol, um, I'll use things like glandulars, um, which are also helpful to help like rebuild the adrenal glands. Um, I don't tend to use too much melatonin, but sometimes I will if they have low melatonin and, and issues with sleep, but usually I'll put some adaptogens at night, um, before going to sleep. Um, what are, oh, and then vitamin C is also great. Vitamin C is excellent. You want to get bioavailable vitamin C, um, that can absolutely help to rebuild adrenals as well. So 
I think those are, and then there's nutrients as well to kind of think about um, that can kind of have an interplay, like B vitamins and iron um, can have a role in energy if you're having energy issues. So that might be something else to like look into, not cortisol related, but like energy topic related. Yeah, definitely. And obviously, you know, you want to have the support of a dietitian or a doctor who's helping you walk through it. Cause like Kristen said, everyone's different. And depending on what your cortisol curve looks like, you know, your protocol is going to be different as well. Um, Kristen, this was so good. I I feel like, I mean, I almost, I want to bring you back on because there were other topics I wanted to get to today. Um, but I, I mean, I knew we were just going to go, go, go. Um, you know, my style, Kate. (laughs) Oh, I know. I know your style. Um, but I wanted to give you a chance to where can people connect with you, find you work with you, um, and just get more education from you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for starters, um, please know that I hope that any ounce of this episode is helpful for whoever is listening. And my goal and the company that I work for, our goal is literally just to to create impact, to change as many lives as, as we possibly can. And so I hope that this has touched a few people and changed the way that you're thinking about the day-to-day and how you're managing stress and how to think about that. Um, so I, I work with, uh, clients one-on-one, we work virtually, um, all over the globe actually. So yes, all over the nation, but we have international clients and coaches as well. Um, my team is called nutrition dynamic. Um, and you can find me specifically on Instagram at KD wellness. That's K as in Kristen D as in D'Angelo's KD wellness. And you can reach out to me there on social media. Um, you can also reach out to me through nutrition dynamic. That's the company that I work for. Um, I work with clients one-on-one, uh, but I also have an incredible team of dietitians and functional health practitioners, um, as part of my team so that we can collectively work together. Again, we provide customized and individualized full program plans with your meal plan, your supplementation, your workouts and training daily check-ins between, uh, the video sessions, we offer laboratory testing and, you know, the list goes on. So I, I, you know, even if the one-on-one stuff isn't your, your jam, we, we have group coaching and if anything, just reach out if you have a question about where you're at. And I, I hope that, that I can help you further. (laughs) Love it. Love it. So, okay. We like to end every episode with a little rapid fire Q and a, so just first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Favorite de-stressing practice or tool? Ooh, um, this is going to sound really weird. Uh, not weird, but cold showers. I'm one of the cold shower people. I like doing it in the morning. I feel like it really just like clears my head for like the day, the day ahead. And then also, um, I've really gotten into journaling in the morning. So no phone, um, with breakfast and I sit down with my breakfast and I do my journal and then also no phone. Uh, it's now been a full year. The phone does not come in the bedroom. We have a charging station outside the room. And I know that's not like an activity, but I found that that's like just really helped my mindset a, a ton. Yeah, no, very helpful. I, I do the same. I leave my phone out of the bedroom journal. Can't say I've tried <laughs> 
doing cold showers, Kristen. The only time I can actually make it work is if we go, we actually have like an outdoor, um, there's an outdoor spa near us in California where you go from like hot, like the hot tub to the cold tub oh, and then back okay. to the hot. And I'm like, oh, I can do that. I can do that. But just the you straight just cold. Just I switch know. it. Go from yeah. hot and then like put it and on then go cold, to cold. And then you just relax. I know. I need to get better at it. I need to get better at it. Maybe after today. Um, no. Okay. I, I mean, that's no. new too. I will say it's something that I've newly come into <laughs> and I actually really like. So it's not like I've been doing it forever. <laughs> no, you're inspiring me. You're inspiring me. Okay. Next one. Coffee or tea? Ooh, um, I have like 50 teas right now. <laughs> We were just saying, we're like, we need to get like a tea organizer. We have, I love, I just love it. But I will say I, I, I like coffee too, but I can only have like two sips and then I'm overly wired. Yeah. I'm with you. I have to do, if I have coffee, I have decaf and even sometimes that's a little much too. So I'm with you. Do you have a favorite tea? Um, right now I'm really into, I mean, it's the winter in Chicago, but I'm really into this um, immunity tea. I don't know the brand of it, but it's so, it's so good. Um, it's got like spearmint, ginger, fennel, anise, um, ginger. It's got like everything in the kitchen sink, (laughs) but I love it. That sounds great. Okay. My favorite question, favorite home cooked meal. Ooh. Hmm. I, you know what? I'm going to go to the one meal that my dad makes every year for Christmas. And this year we didn't get it because of COVID. Thank you. But it's the seven fishes of the sea. And he basically just throws like, but I don't know, he calls it like the seven, whatever we want to throw from the sea in there. So it's usually like lobster and clams and uh, shrimp and schmelts and all these different things with the homemade pasta and a homemade tomato sauce. And it's, Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Italian. Italian oh, family. it sounds so good. I know. Yeah, I was actually wondering, Kristen, when I asked that, I was like, is she going to go Italian? <laughs> yes. Oh my God. I can't not. It's so good. Yeah, no. And it's also like that family time too, right? Being with those people and that memory as well. Well, Kristen, I can't thank you enough. And like I said, I may have you back on because there are a few other things I wanted to talk about. (laughs) Um, But thank you so much. And we will talk soon. Amazing. Awesome. Thank you so much. If you're experiencing any of the symptoms Kristen talked about today, examine your daily stress and workouts and see if you need to do less and eat more. Thank you for listening to Naturally Well by Nordic Naturals. And remember, you can watch every episode of the podcast on our Naturally Well YouTube channel. If you want to know more about me, you can follow me on Instagram at livewellwithkate, where I typically live on my stories, providing a variety of daily health and wellness tips. Naturally Well is hosted by myself, Kate Turner, and produced by Andrew Steven. If you have any questions, please send us an email at podcast at nordicnaturals.com, and we hope to answer your question on air. If you like the show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.